0: Hey guys, what is happening? Welcome back to creating space. We are running strong and Most of you know my professional soccer background. This young lady stems from a bit of six degrees of separation from that. Uh, If you remember back to Ella Master episode 10, Ella is great friends with a female soccer legend that goes by the name of Yale Averbush. Yale, nine years pro. She's played overseas in Sweden. She's played overseas in Cyprus and Russia. She's got 26 national team caps. She is the UNC record holder for 105 consecutive starts. She at one point held the fastest goal in NCAA history as she scored straight from the kickoff. Four seconds, I believe it took. She's got three championships in women's professional leagues in the United States. She also writes a soccer blog, for the New York Times. She's currently a player for FC Kansas City in the National Women's Soccer League. This is Yale Averbush.
1: Yale. what's
0: happening? Welcome to Creating Space.
1: Hello. Wow, that intro, uh, that made me sound pretty good. I don't know.
0: You had to hold your breath
1: for that one, didn't you? I know, I know. Um, Thanks, so. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So you also,
0: alongside of that, you're also the founder and CEO of Techni, which is a soccer training app for men's and women's uh, the Youth of America, the, uh, the development app, right?
1: Yeah, I recently launched my own business in addition to playing professionally. So it's been a fun road. But yeah, Techni Football is a training app for basically technical training for players of all levels.
0: I love that. It's, it's a way to immerse yourself into something separate from the game, which I think a lot of athletes struggle to do or, or don't find an importance of doing. And um, finding something linear to the game is a good way to help immerse yourself into business while you're still in it. Where did this idea come from?
1: Yeah, well, basically, I I work with a lot of players in individual small group settings. And that's been the thing that has gotten me to the highest level over the years is, like, the time I spent alone with the ball outside of my team training. So that's the part of the game that I'm really passionate about. And I feel like that's also an area that players can actually control. Like, as we know, there's so much... In soccer that you just can't control. So your ability on the ball is one thing you have direct control over. So I was looking for a way for a while to be able to actually provide training programs for players that I'm not working with on a regular basis in person. And uh, it took a while to get it off the ground. But now I have the app that basically is like your personal coach for technical training.
2: I
0: love it. it, it there's such a need for players to be able to have very niche focused ideas Because it's one thing to go onto YouTube and try to search for uh, ideas to to work, but it's another thing to get into the app and get really in-depth teaching. I think it's fantastic what you're doing, yo.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there used to be no information out there. Like when I was growing up, I had to get VHS tapes and now there's too much information out there. (laughs) So it's like people need to focus in a little bit. It's
0: constant saturation. Look, you've got such a great story. I mean, you hold records all over the place. You are a peak performer, 26 caps with the U S women's national team. You've done a lot in your career. I want to see kind of what it's been like walking in your shoes. So let's start back a little bit before you decided to commit to the University of North Carolina, which, by the way, Anson Dorrance is one of the best, if not the best, soccer coach that has ever walked the face of the the United States. Uh, What does he have? 22 national championships. He's got the most wins in college soccer history. And 33 of his players have played in the Olympics. I mean, he's a pure developer. Talk to me a little bit about what it was like why soccer and why the University of North Carolina?
1: Yeah, I, well, that's pretty much why I went there, because of Anson. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I started playing soccer when I was nine, just like any kid. I didn't have any special relationship with the game. Uh, my parents are athletes, but they're long-distance runners and just like general lifelong athletes. So not a family that knew anything about soccer, but just started playing because my friend in school played. And then I think, you know, just because of my personality, pretty quickly I was very serious. Um, like I remember when I was nine saying I wanted to be a professional soccer player. I don't really know if I knew what that meant, but, uh, I always, I always wanted to be in the Olympics, be in the, the world cup, um, and play at UNC. Those were like my things. Um, and I would watch these VHS tapes. I wasn't joking when I said VHS tapes. I would watch these VHS tapes on repeat of like the UNC women's soccer dynasty. So that became my goal when I was really young. Um, and then around the time it was time to actually look at colleges. Um, I, I looked around at a lot of the top programs and basically I did what they tell everyone not to do. I I picked my school only on the soccer program. Right. Um, but it ended up it, w- it was wonderful. I mean going UNC was um I loved everything about it. Um almost just as much if not maybe sometimes more than than the soccer part there even though that was absolutely amazing and playing for Anson. I mean you can't you can't replicate that anywhere. So that's basically why I went there.
0: That's incredible. I mean you were walking in the same hallways as some of I mean, the legends I'm sure you were watching on the VHS. I mean Mia Hamm and the group <laughs> of the the list of ladies goes, uh, it's a very long list. Tell me who were some of your idols when you were young.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously Mia Hamm, um, you know, Christine Lilly, Michelle Akers. Now she, like a lot of players don't even know some of these, um, some of these women, cause there's not that much video footage, but, um, definitely, you know, Julie Fowdy, um, Brandy Chastain, all of those players I, I watched play in the 99 world cup. And those were like my heroes. I had posters all over my wall which I think I still have those posters at home in New Jersey. <laughs>
0: I used to have but, a I used to have a, a poster of Brandy Chastain from the celebration yeah. when she had her. Yep. <laughs> but but not necessarily because I thought she was a great footballer, but because I thought she was so hot, I had a poster. Yeah,
1: I had a poster for a different reason, room. but yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> had <have> that poster. <laughs> yeah, no. So and then it was really cool because when I went to UNC, like you said, I mean, I, then I was playing on the field that I had watched in all those VHS tapes. And I remember one time um, in the spring of my freshman year mia ham actually came to one of our practices and i was like trying to play it cool <laughs> but, like i couldn't even breathe i was so excited and so nervous actually one of my classmates at the time ended up crying because she was there
2: oh so was, that's like, unreal she embarrassed
1: herself. but that's how we all felt though
0: what's mia ham like
1: uh i mean re- really nice kind person she's very quiet like not you would never really? think like oh here's this massive celebrity She's just very quiet um really kind and like very knowledgeable about the game. And it was one of those things where I thought like, okay, she she actually jumped in and played with us um, that day. And wow. I was thinking like, okay, like she used to be good back in the day, but like, let's see really really quality player like really? you could just tell she I mean she was obviously not in shape to be playing like that and stuff but like hadn't lost a step she's so smart so sharp on the ball I was like okay <laughs> no wonder she's a legend
0: yeah it's incredible the difference between the good pros and then the great yeah. pros you know that is such an obvious difference um and, and that's exciting to see so playing for Anson. uh walking in the halls of your dreams. Tell me a little bit, I believe fully in manifestation and the law of attraction and what you think about, you bring about and you pull into reality, into existence. It sounds like that's a little bit of something that was going on in your life. You were dreaming from a young age to play on that field, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And it was the kind of thing like I didn't realize this as a kid. And now I, I believe in a lot of the same stuff. And I've read a lot about that. But as a kid, I knew I was going to play there. It wasn't like, oh, I hope I just knew like if that was the thing to do in women's soccer. I knew I was going to play there. Um, then when I was in high school, I'm feeling a little rebellious. I was like, I'm not going there. Um, right. But but when I ended up at UNC and like training on on the field that was in all the videos, playing games in that field. Um, yeah, it was a little bit surreal. It was like, this is actually what I dreamed of as a kid. Um, and putting on that Jersey was awesome. But at the same time, like anything, it becomes your norm. And then you set new goals. So I, the second I was there, I kind of got used to it. Then I was like, okay, I don't just want to be on the team, but I want to be like one of the best players on the team. So that's kind of how I am. You know, I, wherever I get to, then I'm like, okay, now what's next. So that's a little bit how I felt there.
0: Refocusing at new points, all the time is so vital to continue to, ha- to push towards your macro vision or your macro goal, right? It's, it's so easy to get comfortable and complacent once you get to a spot. But I can imagine, sounds like your macro vision was to play pro and in, in the national team, the Olympics, World Cup, so on and so forth. When did you get your first call into the women's national team?
1: Yeah, It was it was 2007, so I'm pretty sure I was a junior in college, um, which was really exciting because obviously, you know, you think, okay, I'll play college soccer, then hopefully when I'm done, I'll play professionally and then sure. one day play on the national team. But I was very fortunate. I, I went into a training camp um, and had no idea what to expect and then actually got invited to go on this trip to China, um, which of all places to travel with the national team for your first trip is like a little bit unsettling. <laughs> but, um, but no, it was like... Uh, it was awesome. And I remember being on the bus heading to our games in China and I didn't want to listen to music or anything. Cause I was like, I don't want to forget any bit of this, like anything, the sounds, any of the smells or anything. Right. Of course that, that did fade a little bit, but I like <laughs> wanted to be so focused in the moment. Cause I was, I knew that like one of those games might be me achieving like my all time dream.
0: What were some of the, the most vibrant smells and sounds and some of those memories to walk us through a little bit about what that was like?
1: Yeah, it's funny because I actually don't remember as much as I thought I would by not listening to the music. And funny enough, probably if I had listened to some music, I would remember it by those songs. So I maybe did it a little backwards. Right, right. But I do remember, I mean, I remember things like the songs that were being played in the locker room and like there was a Snow Patrol song that was really popular at the time that was like always going in the locker room before. Sure. Um, And I mean... I have like a very vivid memory of going in being subbed into that first game because I legitimately could not feel any of my limbs, um, which is a really bad feeling when you're about to go in the game. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I knew what I was doing was so important that I think the the nerves were just, um, yeah, I was, I was ridiculously nervous.
0: (laughs) I can remember when I made my MLS debut, uh, against Toronto FC, it was like the 73rd minute. I was coming, I was coming in at right midfield and I, I, walked onto the field i got a subtle cheer from the stands and i was unsure whether or not i actually belonged there it was it was so surreal for me for for a moment because i had dreamed of being there for so long did you feel like you belonged when when you when you came on in that moment
1: um yeah i think i felt a little bit like out of my depths um sure. And this was around the time too where there, there were still some of the legends I had watched on TV playing on the team, which like UNC, it was kind of like going to UNC, but it was like magnified because they were still there and they were supposed to be my teammates, but I was basically <laughs> like watching everything they were doing. Like, how do I be like them? Um, so I think I definitely felt like I was getting an opportunity that was ahead of where I was as a player. Right. Um, but But at the same time, I knew I had trained for that my whole life and I knew that I had worked on things that that made me belong. Okay. So in a lot of ways I felt like I belonged, but there were other ways I definitely was like, Oh, this is, I'm not really ready for this.
0: <laughs> right. And, and, and do you remember any of the plays in the moment or, or what What's I guess a better question would be, what are some of the best moments you have of playing alongside, alongside some of the idols that, that you had watched since you were young?
1: Yeah, honestly, um, I think – and this might have been some of my problem with the national team over the years. I think some of my best moments were actually in training, which in the games – this is kind of like a little bit of a pattern for me with the national team is I would do really well in training. Um, and I have memories of like playing in the midfield with like Shannon Box and Carly Lloyd and like my first times doing that. Um, actually, really funny story. I was like at one of my first national team camps and we had a little – a scrimmage against boys and so i played on the reserve team against the first group of boys and then the starters were coming out right after us so after our reserve game against the boys team i like chowed down a whole footlong sub from subway because <laughs> they like gave us food after and i was starving right and then at the time the coach was pia sundaga who's now the coach of sweden and she's like uh yeah, we need you for the next game, too, because I was going to get a chance to play with the starters, but I had just eaten this huge, like, <laughs> self And I was like, are you serious? This is my first chance to play with the starters? It's like, I, I can, like, literally, my stomach hurts so bad. <laughs> right. But I think, um, for me, I was so relaxed in training, and then that's where I really felt like I belonged, and I have some great memories of, like, Christine Lilly, you know, um, crossing in a ball that I finished and things like that, that, for me, that was... Like I was in the the videos and stuff I was watching as a kid when I was doing that um, wow. or sco- scoring on Hope Solo for the first time and things like that. Um, at the time, Brianna Scurry too was um, was in goal and like playing with her. But then I, I think for me, I never quite broke into the team enough where I felt comfortable like that in the games. So it always was a little bit of that feeling of like, oh, I'm getting my one chance, which can be good but for me that's not how i operate well um i operate when i feel like i belong and then um and then i just have to prove that so it was a little bit of a like a, an emotional roller coaster sure
0: the, the professional game the pressures of professional yeah. game is a, an emotional roller coaster is that something that uh you have prepped yourself well for you know is the mental side of the game something that you really focus on now as a as a season pro
1: yeah. I think, you know, it's something like everything that I've done well at over the years. And I've also had times when I realize I have not done well at, um, and I'm, you know, I'm a journal keeper. So I have like all these notes in my journals of, I, it's funny to look back through them of all my, um, on plane rides to various camp, training camps or games and things like my notes to myself of what I was going to try to focus on. Right. So I'm very intentional about everything I do. Uh, but that doesn't always mean I do it that well or it's easy. You know, it's, um, I think It's almost harder for somebody who has trained their whole life for something to show up in that situation because that just adds so much pressure. So I was very aware at the time, and I I still am when I go into like a professional preseason. Even as a veteran player, I still feel the same way I felt as my first preseason, which I don't know if that's a problem. Uh I think it's a good thing, but it's also like, okay, you need to chill out a little. Right, right.
0: It's so interesting how we build up these scenarios in our mind and they become so much bigger in our heads than they actually are in reality right
1: for sure no always and i think that that is what i have to do i don't have to amp myself up i have to relax myself and just remind myself this is just any other game it's just any other fitness test or whatever it is
0: so i struggled with performance anxiety my whole career and had no idea until the latter stages of my career what it was i used to take melatonin before a game because melatonin would cut that edge
1: yeah. How'd you play on? melatonin?
0: I, I was so relaxed. I was so yeah. focused. Maybe I
1: should try that. You know,
0: <laughs> and I tried it in training. I would take a yeah. three milligram, three milligram uh, pill of melatonin 30 minutes before training. I would feel so lethargic before I stepped onto the field, but it was only because I was so used to it being so amped and so energetic before yeah. training and then all of a sudden i was just i was clear i was calm i i had this uh preparedness and then the natural adrenaline that that would flow through my body would take over and i actually play if i have that Key that cheat code. If I knew yeah, that yeah. younger in my career, I think yeah. I that might have gone a little bit It further. might
1: have been bad though. You would have been taking melatonin. For years. <laughs> <laughs> you should have like sponsored by them. Yeah,
0: no, no doubt. You know, can you imagine <laughs> yeah. an athlete repping melatonin yeah. before a game? How, how, <laughs> no,
1: but. The- I do think there's something to be said for that, though, because I, I think that for people who naturally, like, care so much about what they're doing, that that can go over the line of being then detrimental. Um, and I know that for myself, too, is I have to, like, really just calm down before games and stuff and just – I kind of almost have to not care sure. um, to even out how much I actually care. Right. So and I've noticed that players over the years – like. Some players who you know, never thought they were going to get called up to something or did never think they were going to be a pro player, they just step in. They don't care. They just right. play. So, and that's obviously the best place to perform well. So if you can like fake yourself into thinking that. I was,
0: I, I was always so jealous of those players that did not care. They were so ignorant to the pressure and they yeah. were easily able to access the flow state and they just hopped into a scenario and they were just fine. It, it was never like that for me. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about the journey. Because I think we obviously see where you are now and all the great accolades that you have, but it's not easy to get where you are. Um, Talk to us a little bit about some of the most difficult circumstances that you've had throughout your process of being a professional athlete.
1: Yeah. I have a distinct memory of my first professional season because for me, that was a dream come true. You know, I signed my first pro contract and I literally accomplished what I said I wanted to do when I was nine years old. So I, I didn't even think about the fact that it is a journey and I didn't, um, conceptualize it like that at that point. So I remember I was really depressed my first season. Um, I, I felt like, well, one, that it was my only focus. Now was was training and soccer. It's not like when you're in college, at least you have class and a bunch of friends around and things. Um, but now, like, if I had a bad training session or it wasn't going well, I had my whole drive home to where I was living with my parents, which also heightened help the situation. Yeah. <laughs> so I had my whole drive home to just be thinking about it, and I would ruminate on it all day. I would go do extra training if it wasn't going well. I just was like in a in a bad mental place, and it was a rough season for our team as a whole. It was just um, we had four different coaches. We ended up, actually, that was one of the years we won the championship with Sky Blue FC. But it was just a really – it was a tough season mentally for everybody. And being a new pro and being someone who dreamed of this my whole life, I was kind of like, is this what I wanted to do all my life? Like, It wasn't enjoyable at all. And this is when I started to do a lot of reading about um, more of the mental side of the game and not just for sports but in general for life. Like being in the moment, um, being able to let things go um, and, and the, the idea that things are a journey and a process. And it's not just like from point A to point B and you go to the destination. So that really, really helped me reframe everything in my career. And that, that was a, a huge turning point for me. It was actually my first professional season. Um, but then it's obviously, it's easier to say that than to apply it in each go around. So I've had, I've had a lot of times in my career where I feel a little bit like, okay, on paper, it looks like I've done good stuff, but I'm not satisfied at all with what what I've done and how I feel as a player, which for me is everything. Like, I don't care if I'm the the captain of the national team. If I'm not happy with how I feel on the field, then that's why I train. So um, for me, it's really been about constantly refocusing and it's funny at UNC, Anson Dorrance always used to say to us like, girls, you have to live on a never ending path of ascension. And at the time I was like, what the heck is he talking about? It's so <laughs> annoying. But really, I think that's like started to frame everything I do is that if you can always be getting better every day, even if it's in the smallest ways. And sometimes for me, that means resting. Um, and that for me has kind of shaped my view of what I do It's is that, yeah, there's not a, a journey to it destination. It's just an ongoing journey. And if I can continue to get better every single day within that journey, then that's success. I, I so, love
0: that. I love that. This is where you began to become mindful that life is a process and that you have to go through the process. And it sounds like you, in doing so, you, you built some some tools for, that you could carry and add to your repertoire along the way. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of those tools that you use to, to add balance to your life and help you frame things in a positive way?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know it's it's tough, and I'm I'm not saying I'm an expert at it either. because This is something I always work on, but I think um, it's it's a very interesting um, kind of dual thought processes that obviously we have, we have our memories of what's going on in the past and we have to attend to what we've done in the past. Like, did I make a mistake at something where I should do better next time? Did I do something right that I should repeat? And at the same time, we're all very focused in the future. So I have, I have goals I want to do in the future. I'm thinking about the upcoming season. I'm thinking about what am I going to do two years from now? But at the same time, being in the present moment and feeling okay with what you 're doing in the present moment is a huge is a huge struggle I think for everyone and that 's something that for me um, over the years i 've really tried to focus on is just put in the work in the present moment. what can I do every day? that will get me a little bit closer to where I want to be and not think about like, is this the best thing to do? Should I be doing more? Should I be doing less? No. I I make my training plan, especially in the off season when we have tons of time on our own and I stick to it and I just do the work every day. And then I have to have the trust, which is a huge part of it, that if you do that, it will take you where you want to go. Not meaning like an actual result or will I Start on my team, I can't control that. Well, we win the championship, I can't control that. But it's the way I want to feel about what I'm doing. And I think that um, we do have control over certain things in life and in sports, and we have no control over a lot of others. So for me, identifying the things that I actually have control over has been huge because um, obviously I want to control everything and I want right. it to work out the way I want it to work out. But that's not reality. So um, the more I can focus my positive energy on those things that I actually can have an impact over. Uh, I think the better off I've been. But again,
0: definitely easier said than done. Oh, so much easier said than done. And and I I share that notion where I want to control every outcome. And it's a human, it's a part of human process, right? We we do that naturally to create an environment that we can predict that will hopefully give us success, right? And, and we, I, I feel like that's just a part of the evolutionary process of the human experience. So what are some of the things that you have been able to let go off of your shoulders let go of things that are not controllables that you try to hold on to grasp and cling on to for so long to try to manipulate for you know that were caused that was causing you some some peril
1: yeah i think well, a huge thing for me has been my experience with the national team um you know i it's always been my goal to play in an olympics and world cup and i I said, those are my goals. So for me, like, there's no excuse, you got to achieve them. But that's something I've, I've really realized that is not in my control. Um, as much as I can be the best player that I could possibly be and all that, I can't, I cannot influence someone's opinion of me, um, or what actually happens. Maybe I have bad timing, um, with like, I feel a little sick one camp or whatever it is. Um, all of that is not within my control. So for me, letting go of Um, some of the things I said were goals and accepting that maybe those won't happen has been, um, it's been an ongoing process. I still am, I'm still working on it. And I think what's been helpful for me is to actually look at where I am as a player. And those are the parts of it that I can control. Like if you had told me as a kid, um, that I would, have the capabilities I have today as a player and feel the way I feel in the field, I, that I have far exceeded what I thought I was capable of in terms of improving some of my weaknesses. um Just yeah, the way I feel when I play pickup, when I'm on the ball and doing things. But at the same time, and there are things that I actually wrote down that I wanted to do that I have not done. In, realistically, it's probably a little late in my career for that to happen. Not impossible. It's still like, sure. I'm hoping, but it probably won't happen. And for me to accept that, like that actually might not happen. But at the same time, I feel really proud of who I am as a player. Um, it's kind of like a, a weird mixture. Cause I, I think that I would have felt totally, I would have accepted it if I was like way worse of a player than I am right, now, but right. I had achieved those for some right. reason. So sure. I'm like, this is kind of a weird feeling, but for me to be able to like know that I can step on the field anywhere in any country and play like small sided with guys and stuff and be respected has almost become more important. So I try to just focus.
0: This is what creating space is all about, right? Um, I wanted so badly to be remembered in the MLS as one of the best players ever to live. That was the gold U S national team, all of that. Right. And I climbed from a small town in South Carolina. I grinded for as hard and as long as I could to get to the point that I did. And then the pain for me and the suffering came when I realized that I'm not going to make where, where I thought I was going to get, but it was in releasing that over time through depression, through a a lots of anxiety over time, releasing that expectation and then opening up a a void for something new to come in is where I realized, Hey, I've got talents in so many other places and I'm going to be okay. And I can refocus, uh, retool and rekit in a new direction and I can find new passion. Sounds like tech is a little bit of a new passion that you've got. And, you know, we've had some conversations. You're quite a savvy business person. Tell me a little bit about this new interest that you have and how it's growing and evolving in your life.
1: It's been actually very healthy for me, as I'm sure you can understand to have something else to like fully pour my ambition into. So it's obviously great. I'm still, I still have high ambitions on the field, but there's only so much training you can do during the day. Like when I do my, sometimes three, whatever hours of stuff on the field in the weight room. Then I come home now. I'm like, okay, got to get to my computer. I have a lot of work to do. So that's been really healthy for me mentally. Um, because I I found that being an entrepreneur is very similar to building a career as an athlete. You have the long term vision and then you chip away every single day at the manageable pieces that, you know, you can accomplish. Mm. So for me, um, you know, I recently launched the first version of the app, but it's, it's a first version. It's like the first time you step on the field and then yeah. you have the vision of where you want to be. It's, it's going to take work to get there and I've mapped it all out. And then there's like different pieces to attack. So it's been really, really fun doing kind of the, the business vision and the the steps along the way. But then also obviously it has to do with the game and a part of the game that, uh, means a lot to me because it's been one of the things that I can control over the years. And I think it's really empowering, um, for kids especially, but for everyone to feel like this is actually something I can control. I can see my improvement and there's not really a limit to how good you can become with the ball or how quickly and cleanly and efficiently you can do things. So it's kind of my way of giving back some of those lessons. I feel really strongly about that. I've learned over the years.
0: You're becoming a mentor for a lot of youth players, which is a really exciting thing. Who are some of the mentors in your life that made a big difference in your, in your career?
1: Yeah, my parents were huge mentors of mine. Um, not specifically in soccer because they didn't <laughs> they didn't know the game. We right. learned it together. We had some funny memories of like misunderstandings of things we were supposed to practice <laughs> and stuff. But um I mean, I woke up every morning as a kid and my parents had already gone for their run or done their workout and had showered and made breakfast and stuff and that that to me was normal. Like every day, if you're an athlete, you do your training. There was no, it would be snowing outside, whatever. They'd be jumping rope in the house. Like there were no, never an excuse of like, Oh, we couldn't work out today. It was just what they did every single day.
2: Right. Um,
1: which now I realize is absurd when I go home, they're like, (laughs) (laughs) I wake up to jump rope every day and stuff. But, but I didn't, I took for granted as a kid, how vital that was to the way, um, I sh- I shaped my thought process about sports and going after something that's a goal. And then I, I was really fortunate as a kid to have some wonderful coaches and mentors who spent time with me outside of my team training and really realized I was kind of serious and maybe had a little bit of a special talent or affinity for like practicing repetition after repetition, sure. which I think is a little bit of a mindset. It's a personality thing. You know, I'm the kind of person where if you show me how to strike a ball and I can't do it, I will go home and like do it until my quad is strained, which actually <laughs> happened. So I think that the coaches realized that and that was exciting for them because, you know, you coach a bunch of kids and none of them want to be there. So the second you find one who's like really into it, I think, um, you know, the time that people spent with me outside, just I don't think they were getting paid or anything to do that. It was just out of the goodness of their heart and because they felt a little bit excited about showing me some things with the ball. That was that was everything to me. That was set the foundation for my eventual obsession with, you know, trying to become a master of the ball and everything I've done since then. The way I've trained over the years, now my new business. So that was that was huge for me.
0: What do you think is you, you spoke a little bit about mastery, and I love peak performers. I love peak performance. I love mastery level stuff. It's just I'm juiced. I'm fueled by it. What do you think is the difference between? masters and those who think they want it, but find out that they don't.
1: Yeah, I think it's really, it's all in the mindset and how you approach what you do. Um, there are people who are phenomenally talented who are not masters of what they do. And this is, I think, something that's also reshaped how I think about um, the game and what I've done is there are people, not to take anything away from them, there are people on our national team, men's and women's, who are not masters of the game. And there are people who will never make the national team who are embody a lot of the characteristics of mastery in the sport and, soccer is like that. It's not like, uh, you know, maybe there are sports that get closer to like maybe martial arts, the more of a master you are, the more you win at competitions. But soccer is one of those things, like even you see it in games, like your team can dominate the game and still lose. Um, so it doesn't directly correlate to success in soccer, but I think that the mindset with which you approach your training and what you do with the ball, like dictates if, if you're seeking mastery. And I see kids all the time, like They'll be like, oh, I got in a thousand touches. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? You're just touching the ball everywhere. Like, right. that's not a thing. That doesn't right. matter. But you can get in 20 really quality touches, and that's bringing you closer to mastery. So I think um, appreciating that concept and training with that in mind has been, um, it's really continued to energize me and motivate me because that's something I can always strive after. Like whether my dream of playing on the national team is possible or not you know, at a certain point that will become irrelevant. And I'm, I'm seeking to become more and more of a master and fine tune what I'm doing.
0: So this is why I've invited you on a creating space because every person who is an entrepreneur, they create a business that's based off of who they are. It's a, it's a piece of themselves. What I like about you is that you've created this subset of you, which is based on a level of mastery, based on a mindset. What do you think are the most important pieces of your, particular mindset that you would like to share with the Creating Space tribe to maybe rub off on them?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think competitiveness is huge, uh, and there's a healthy way to compete, but not just competitiveness. Like I want to be better than someone else or build a business that's better than someone else, but it's that self-competition of like, Mm. whatever I did last time, I want to make it better. Um, and that, that certainly is something that's huge in my own training. I'm like a scorekeeper. Anytime I'm doing anything, I want to keep track of how many I can do and then do better next time. That's just like my mindset. And I think it's the same thing in business. The more you're keeping track of where you are in a lot of different ways, the more you can judge if you're improving or maybe if something's a little off and you need to change what you're doing to then improve. So I think, um, yeah, that competitiveness. And then I would also say, Equally as important is is that like belief in yourself, and not even to me, confidence can go up and down. But it's the underlying self belief of if you don't believe that you can accomplish your end vision, whether it's being a professional athlete, having a multi million dollar business, whatever it is, then like no one else is going to believe in you. You can get whatever investors, and whatever, but if you don't actually believe that that vision is possible and have the steps planned out where you can see it coming to fruition, then no one else should believe. Where no one you else think should Where
0: that self belief comes from?
1: Um, for me, a lot of it has come, has come from the actual work I know I'm putting in. I think for everyone, it's a little different potentially. Um, and, and people, you could potentially have no reason for your self-belief, but if you believe it, it's, it's good. I mean, it's all about your personal truth. So for me, I know that I'm doing the the right things for me every day to get to where I want to go. So I believe I can get there. Um, so it's kind of like a dual focus is that um, to get there, you need the self-belief, but to have the self-belief, you have to be doing the things to get there. Yeah. So I found that that's like a, a really, um, important pattern throughout my life and everything I've done. Um, and it's like a momentum that builds and the more, the closer you get, the more you want to put in the work and the more you put in the work, the closer you get to the vision.
2: Mm,
0: so powerful and self-awareness is key, you know, and, and and that's something I want to ask you. You seem to be a very self-aware human being who, is Yale Averbush at the at the very heart and core of it all?
1: Oh, that, that is a hard question to answer. Right? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's definitely, it definitely changed a little bit over the years. But I think that in general, the way I like to live is I don't do anything that I think is not the best way to do what it is. And that's kind of a weird way of saying it. But basically, I have a very strong memory for like feelings of regret. And there are only a few things in my life that I remember that I'm like, I actually regret doing that. Um, so I, I try to live in, in a way that I will never look back and be like, Oh, I should have done more. or I should have gone to that. I should have talked to that person. Um, I operate every day thinking like, I don't want to look back on this and hope I did it different and wish I had done it differently. Um, and that's really been like, that's a huge part of my personality that I've had since I was a kid. But I think that the, um, I've become more aware of it and then actually put it into action in other ways, like doing the things that are kind of hard to do in the moment, just because I don't want to look back a week from now and be like, Oh, if only I lifted weights that last Monday when I was exhausted.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is so good. What do you think are your favorite parts of yourself?
1: Um, I, I do appreciate my self-awareness. I think like I'm able to talk openly and honestly with people and I've told people things that I'm like, they probably shouldn't even know that. But, <laughs> you know, I feel like if you can't talk about it and be honest about it, strengths, weaknesses, horrible things you've done, whatever it is, then, and if you can't laugh about it too, at some point, right. um, then that to me is a huge part of life is like being able to connect with people and be like, this is who I am. I did this stupid thing or like, here's what I think about something that's like way out there, like wacko. Sure. sure. Thought. Um, so I, I appreciate that about myself, especially as I get older and my connections with people become more important. Um, I also think something I'm, I'm very proud of is my ability to say, I'm going to do something and follow through on it.
2: Mm. I
1: think like in, in a broader sense, obviously it's pretty cool that I, as a kid said, I wanted to be a professional soccer player and then actually did it. But even like, I take pride in the fact that if I tell someone I'm going to call them, I call them. If I say I'm going to do something like it would have to be a disastrous situation for me not to do it.
0: Right. I I need to get better at that. I'm reading a book right now called Essentialism, and it's all about the art of saying no more. Uh, and and saying yes more to the things that you really want to do and no more to the things that, that you don't want to do that actually retract from your energy. So I think I need to do a little bit more of that, you know, just follow through because I'm only saying yes to the things that I really want to say yes to. As we have walked through this mindset that you have in your own personal path, talk to me a little bit about your legacy when it's all said and done. And, you know, you, you exit this place, what do you want to be your legacy?
1: yeah that that's something that I um I still struggle with a little because I wanted it to be like, oh, the greatest soccer player of all time. and i I think i'm um I'm not far removed from still like really pushing for that. Yeah. and that, in a lot of ways, um, it's possible. I, I still think I can have a huge influence on the game, but it's not going to be in exactly the way that I had hoped. Um, so for me, I think, having a positive influence in the game of soccer is really important to me. Obviously in life, soccer is not the most important thing in life. So for me to be able to, um, you know, have, have a family one day and feel really proud of raising a family really well and things like that are very important to me. But in the larger scheme of things, I'm very tied to soccer because I think not only is it a sport, but it's a way that it brings, it's something that brings a lot of people joy in a lot of ways. It connects people and it's, it's become something in my life. That's given me so much purpose. It's allowed me to be a confident woman, um, and go after my goals. And I think though that feeling can um, be transferred to a lot of areas. So for me to have a huge, um, wide-reaching impact in the soccer world is very important. I don't know in exactly what way, and um, I don't have a succinct answer to that question, but I think I still want to do big things, but it wasn't in the way maybe that I had originally intended.
2: Yeah,
0: in Creating Space is a subset of a similar vision that is kind of coming its own way, and I am really passionate to do something similar to you're doing, just try to mentor people in my own unique way, using my own unique abilities. And what you're doing at Techni, I think, is very important. Impactful, And as you Thanks. create space in your life for that, and that continues to grow, I think the impact will follow that because let's be honest, you're not going to be defeated, right? I mean, you're, you're just not going to be defeated. You're going to find a way to win. And that's very, very important. It's a, it's a mindset that's so important in my opinion. So as we close this thing out, yo, I want to say to you before our la- my last question. I want to say to you, I'm proud of you. What you're doing is is Thank so you. cool. The impact that you're making, you're gonna you're gonna leave that legacy because you're gonna impact so many girls and boys alike in in, in technique, and you're gonna give them the opportunity to grow. Uh, you're gonna give them the opportunity to get into the schools that they want to get to, and then uh, lead the lives that, that they want to lead. I think that's huge. So as we as we wind this thing down, for the Creating Space Tribe, the people that are listening to your story, what are a couple of things that you want to make sure that you imprint on them, uh, as, as we close this and round this thing out?
1: Yeah. I actually just thought of this when you were talking, which first of all, thank you for the, for the kind words. I appreciate that. Um, I think the word, um, relentless always comes to mind. And I think that's such an important piece of how we live our lives, um, because things don't always go as planned. And I think we both are have our own stories of how like we've found another route to something and to feeling fulfillment through maybe some failures or disappointments. And I think the thing is if we are relentless in pursuing the way we want to feel in life um, it's impossible to fail at that. Mm. And you can momentarily be disappointed. Uh, you can have setbacks along the way. Some really bad stuff can happen, but if you relentlessly, if you come back to it and you, um, examine yourself, if you say, okay, now where do I want to be? And you're relentless in that pursuit, then you can't be left with like a feeling of failure. So I think that word like always comes to mind for me, and I, I love the word in so many, for so many reasons. Like I think it's it's so true in soccer, you need to be relentless. It's so true in so many pieces parts of life um, that that's such a valuable skill set.
0: You get knocked down seven times, stand up eight. My dad used to tell me that when I was young all the time. It I mean it resonates clearly when you come with that Yale. Man, it has been a pleasure spending some time with you. I, I look forward to continuing to build a relationship with you moving forward uh, and watching Technique grow as well as your career. Continue to, to watch that build and keep keep going. Keep doing it. And I think you, you'd you be surprised. I think whatever you want to do, if those dreams are still there, I believe that you can make it happen.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I, I love what this podcast and what Creating Space is all about. I think it's such a valuable message for, for anyone doing anything in any field of life.
0: Wow. Appreciate it. Um, where can this creating space tribe, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm on social media. Um, in case you need to know how to spell my name, that could be valuable. It's Y-A-E-L. And my last name is A-V-E-R-B-U-C-H. I'm assuming if you're watching though, you might have clicked on the link that has my name. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook um, with my personal accounts. And then you can look up Techni Football. It's spelled T-E-C-H-N-E. You can see my shirt here. And then F-U-T-B-O-L. So Technifootball.com. You can check out the app if you're interested in soccer. Um, But if not, on my personal website, I have a blog I I write and a lot of um, videos and more content about these type of topics.
0: Guys, I'll link all that up in the show notes. So if you're watching from your mobile device or you're watching on uh, a computer, if you look down into the show notes, you'll be able to click and find Yale pretty easily. Yale, you are too dope. Thank you so much for coming on a creative Thank space. you. <laughs> you know, one dynamic that I really liked about Yale Aver Bush's mindset, it was that she was so fearless in competition, not with others, but with herself. And my takeaway from this podcast is really being okay with having a competitive mindset, yet changing and reframing the direction of that competitiveness, not to others, but onto yourself, taking notes, taking measures, and making sure that you are improving and holding yourself accountable for your improvement. Now, at the same token, let's not allow ourselves to damage our own self-worth by being too competitive with ourselves, but let's give us a level of measurement so that we can judge the distance that we have improved, but at times let's make sure that we give ourselves grace because we're not always going to be as good as we were, but we're always going to be as good as we expect ourselves to be. So consistency is extremely important. And if there's anything I take from Yale, it's that the persistence that she has had over the years has really rendered her relentless in her pursuit for success. And if there's any measure in her 26 caps for the US national team, aligned with her new ventures in technique. Yale's destined for success. And I am extremely excited to have had her on the podcast. I'm extremely excited for you guys to witness her mindset. Please reach out to her. You can find all of her information on the show notes. Remember, keep pushing yourself to be the best version of yourselves. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit the share button, make sure you send it off to someone who you know, maybe knows Yale or maybe would really be affected by this podcast message in a positive way. So without any uh, any more further ado, you guys have a great rest of your day. Mindset Monday coming around the corner. I can't wait to jump on that with you guys. You know how much I love bringing you a little bit of Mindset Monday juice. We'll see you then.